Welcome to Crafted with Cradle, a curated conversation over cocktails with Charlotte's Best. Hi, I'm Bree Stallings. I'm a professional artist, muralist, and illustrator, and I am Crafted with Cradle. Welcome to another edition of Crafted with Cradle. This is your curated podcast for conversations over cocktails with some of Charlotte Art's finest. And this is the premiere season three episode, episode one of season three. And we are so excited to be back. We felt like we had been on vacation for a long time. I was talking to Chuck and Jamaica and I was like, man, when was the last time that we did this thing? We, you know, we normally take our break right after December, take a couple of months off and come back. And so here we are excited, ready to go. Um, so much has been happening in our art community in the last, um, I would say, you know, four to five months. Um, if you've been keeping up here in Charlotte, you know that we had a huge art tax that didn't get passed. Um, and so as we bring guests on this year, we're going to definitely get their thoughts and feelings on that, particularly depending on where they're coming from in terms of their medium type organization they're a part of, or even just the um, the artists that are in their lives and how they might be affected with that. But also, the, you know, again, the changing landscape of the Charlotte art scene. And so we want to stay on top of that. We want to make sure we bring you some of the best guests that we can have some of these amazing conversations. Again, as we uplift, advocate um, for our cultural arts community. As always, I want to shout out my man. He's doing big things right now. Jason Jet, JasonJetMusic.com with the theme music. And we're going to continue to ride with him. He That boy is blowing up. So make sure y'all check him out. And remember, if you are a seasoned Crafted with Cradle listener and viewer, you know you can get all these goods on Sweet929.tv. Also, JSW Media doing the branding, the PR, and the promotion. Jam Sham in the building. I think she's drinking white tonight. Chuck, I think, is on the white as well. Um, But as always, make sure you head over to the website, KeithCradle.com, where you can get... Um, we got the cheers out. We got the cologne is, is jumping. Um, cheers. The book is out. Cut the check. Um, you can also watch episodes on the website. They'll also take you to the Sweet 929 uh, website. And also, you know, we might as well just let y'all know right now, we're going to got another fragrance coming out soon. So that's, you know, that's, that, that right there is uh, breaking news. There's going to be another fragrance coming soon this summer. Um, so we are in the lab working on that. Well, enough about me. enough about me as always this is about the people we bring on um and so you know we wanted to start season three off um with um i believe you know someone who's doing some new uh, some make newness um in our community um been here for a while tried to get them both on her husband couldn't make it shout out to arthur but um we've got joanne rogers with the palette table and the newly opened 918.9 studio, studio gallery. So we're going to talk about all that. Um, we're going to get into that with the time that we have. But first, you know, Joanne, this is a, this is a question. I, and I, you know, I see you all the time out in the community. Um, see you at a bunch of events, at openings, exhibits, things like that. Um, and I always see you sometimes with a, with, a, with a glass in your hand, a cocktail <laughs> in your hand. And this is a drinking podcast. Right. So not only we talk about art, we, we, we sip it and buy a little bit, but we like to ask, I like to ask, what is your favorite go-to cocktail? If you had a, if you had a crowded bar, oh, 
the I line's know, behind right? you. You don't want to back it up, and you walk on up. You saunter up. What what are you what are you asking for? It's all about that Long Island iced tea. The L I T. Yeah. Come on now. It has to be good though. I'm a I'm a bartender. Uh, I've been bartender for about thirty years. Really. So that Long Island iced tea has to be straight. So 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 the L I T's got a bunch of different liquors in it. Yes. So what is it about that that you like? <laughs> is um, it just the, the maybe that you know I like. I like to be able to have just one, and it does what it needs to do. I like the mix of the flavors in it. If it's again, if it's done right, hmm. um, yeah, I like the balance of the flavors in it, and I like that it packs a little bit of a punch. You know, I'm from the islands, so it takes quite a bit to have any kind of effect on me. So, so when you so when you mix it up, what are you heavier on? What what part of the pour are you heaviest on? I I am a heavy pourer. Period. Um, I don't think there's, I mean, I, I think I like mine with a little bit more whiskey in it. A little more whiskey? Yeah. And I, I do not like um, any type of mix. The sour mix has to be, no, I, I don't like any kind of sour mix. We have to do it all piece So by you piece. like yours like pretty it. dark brown. That, that mm. L.I.C. to be pretty dark brown. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. like, I like it to hit me about 15 minutes later and I go, oh, that was good. Right. Okay. So you already alluded to where you've told everybody, they might have missed it. Where, where are you originally from? I am. I was born and raised in um, Trinidad. Mm-hmm. Trinidad. Island, yeah. Yes, I'm straight island. I also make a rum punch. Uh-oh. A line of rum punch. So we should we should have had you making all the cocktails. I really should. I, I might have to come back and bring a bottle. It was we, a hey, we always welcome guests, <laughs> especially if they come bearing gifts. Yes. Yeah, i got to send you some. So how did you get to Charlotte? Uh, my wonderful, amazing life partner, um, husband, partner in everything, Mr. Arthur Rogers, is from the South. Mm-hmm. Um, and while dating, he was living in Charlotte. Um, while we were dating, I was coming back and forth. And from where? Uh, fell in love. Uh, at that point, I was um, living and working in McLean, Virginia. Okay. Right. And um, fell in love with Charlotte pretty much right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the mix of the city. Um, it was much cleaner than New York, for sure. And, uh, <laughs> We're not going to get into I, that. I was in the part of the um, the art scene here I saw was, was budding, mm-hmm. and that was definitely a draw for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk about, since, you know, you know, around what time did you get here? What year, what year uh, are we talking? I was visiting 2009 to 2010, and I moved down in 2010, the end of 2010. So you've been in Charlotte about you get 10 years. 10 years. 10 yeah. years. Yep. Okay. So in that 10 years, um, you said it was budding. You said the art scene mm-hmm. was budding. Talk about your experience, um, what you saw, you know, 10 years ago to what is kind of where we are today. Okay. So when I first came down here, um, I, I was all about spoken word and the arts and stuff in New York, but um, not at the level that, that I chose to be in it at this now. It was just a curiosity for me and just a normal part of my life. When I came to Charlotte, um, I remember we used to go to Tiafo's spot and we used to visit Noda. Mm-hmm. And um, before I came here, I was interested in finding, in starting an art school for children. Yes. And I had reached out to friends of mine who were artists, um, different arts, um, to, to who would donate like a week of their time to this school. So I was working on that project. And as I came down here, um, I was specifically going out and seeing the feasibility of getting something like that started mm-hmm. here, um, Tiafo's place flooded. Yes. That, yes. that was, we were going, we were working on buying that spot. But when I first came down here, um, 
First of all, all the places that I used to go to are no longer there. Yeah, well, the, the, the scene has changed, right? The, the real scene, estate has changed, yes. Right. And it, it was there that I discovered that my husband-to-be was much more of an artist than I even knew. Right. He was a teacher when I met him, and I knew he was an artist, but I didn't know his skill level. Mm -hmm. So as we were um, going around Charlotte, um, I, he was showing someone a piece. Actually, it was of his ex. And it was such a oh, wow. gorgeous piece of his ex. I wasn't mad. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you can do this? Right. Show everybody. Right. So, you know. But um, that's when I found out the extent of Arthur Rogers, of his gift. Yes. And going around with him and seeing what he did and, and then um, witnessing him in his element, I was determined as a wife to keep him in that space as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So my entrance into the Arts of Charlotte was pretty much trying to support my husband. Yes. Um, 2015, I had an art show. I'd never done it before. I had an art show at one of the studios in Concord and got the bug, period. I, I enjoyed everything about it, and I found that I was good at it. Right. So people started reaching out to me from then. Mm -hmm. That's where I debuted the Rum Punch also. Okay. <laughs> but... um. I started, people started reaching out to me um, after another show of his, uh, where he was with about 10 other artists in um, Ballantyne. Um, somebody said to the artist that they needed to not paint what they were painting, that they needed to do abstract work because that's what would sell. Hmm. And that didn't sit well with me. Um, I don't consider myself an artist. But I value art and I value creatives. Right. And I, I always say even now, I don't believe anyone should tell an artist how to art. Right. Right? Um, so you don't tell an artist that does realism that they do abstract. Just because it's just going to sell money, right? Make, make money, right? Right. Then it becomes just like any other business right. and you're not going to get anything new or anything real. Mm -hmm. If you're telling everyone they now have to do, be this part of this machine. Mm -hmm. So at literally that night, I went to sleep and dreamt the pallet table. Mm -hmm. So talk about talk about the pallet table. Okay. The pallet table, um, the mission of the pallet table for me, it was founded in uh, March of 2016. And the mission was to support up-and-coming local artists of color. Um, I wanted to give them a space where they could create as they chose and be um, given opportunities and be brought together in a type of roundtable fashion where they would nurture each other and, and learn how to collaborate and grow each other. So that was, the pallet table came kind of like the round table round and the pallet, right? right? Mm -hmm. So um, being in a space where I'm listening to these artists and how they feed off of each other and the amazing energy that is in a room whenever you have a bunch of positive creative people around, I wanted to show that back to them, to show them what I saw and um, to show them their value and have them realize their value and demand their worth. So I wanted the palette table to be a space that empowered them, that fed them, um, that gave them the tools that they would need, um, the business part of that. Mm -hmm. And also, I wanted to be the one that that would allow them to do what they were comfortable doing and I would take over the parts that they were not interested in because I knew more about the business and marketing parts of it. 
So one of the things we've talked about, you know, over previous episodes, depending on, you know, who's the guest, is the art of business. Mm -hmm. Um, And many artists just never either want to grasp, you know, the concepts or, you know, the stuff that that has to happen in order to sell the art. Um, Talk about, you know, I guess, what what do you see as the apprehensive nature of an artist that makes them say, well, I don't want to do that. You do that. Can I tell you, though, I... I don't agree that they have to know that. Mm -hmm. I don't agree that that's for them to do. Um, Just like I know that I cannot do what they do. I don't have the expectation that that's something that they must know how to do. Um, But it, you know, it. If they knew how to do that, if that's something that they were interested in, and and could make a part of their life, that would make it easier on them. Mm -hmm. But why would we have the expectation that an artist should be a business person? When we don't have an expectation that every business person should be an artist, okay. right? So I, I feel like my my role in their journey is to work on the business part and let them be artists. So talk about the new studio gallery you guys just opened up, because because we're gonna you know we're gonna get back to both. I mean, because you're pretty busy, and this new studio gallery is now open. Yes. Um, you just had an opening. February eighth. Uh, February eighth. Yeah. So talk about. What you what it is and what you plan to accomplish with it? Okay, um, nine eighteen nine Studio Gallery um, was opened on February eighth. The first exhibit was called Joy, and I'll talk about that the reasoning for that a little later. Um, what I hope to accomplish with this it, it's to me um, a step in the direction that we're trying to go, um, and it has its limits, but for now we will work with it to build. What what 989 Studio Gallery is, is a space where artists can create as they would like to be create, as they would like to create, and show as they want to be shown, be seen as they want to be seen. Mm-hmm. So it's a space in which, um, I do events for artists, I do shows for artists, um, solo shows. Part of the problem um, of doing these shows and is that each space that we either have to really wait on spaces or the spaces have such limitations that it doesn't, it's not really representative of the artist in the way the artist wants to be represented. Okay. Um, so my whole thing is to represent the artist in a way where that artist feels, yes, this is a true representation of why I do what I do and how I do what I do. Okay. And, and I think that that pulls in um, the people on a personal level to each artist, the differences in each artist, and, and allows them to be in a space where they understand and, and, and get maybe more of an emotional attachment to each artist and, and how they do what they do, better, a better understanding. In terms of, I, I think, um, gender parity, there aren't a lot of, are there a lot of women, well, minority women, owning galleries right now? I, I hear that I'm doing something that no one else is doing which, you know, was not what I set out to. I just set out, I saw a space, and I felt like I could fill it, and my life led me in that direction. Um, but but um, I'm told, and again, I haven't done the research, but I'm told that, that I'm doing something that's, that no one else is doing at this time in Charlotte. Okay. Right. So, so meaning that it's needed. Right. Is there, is there a certain um, type of artist you guys are honing on, or is it open to anybody? Um, I, I guess the artists that we represent, people would term as fine artists. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's that's a very loose thing for me. What I look for when we choose artists to be a part of the palette table is more of a, a desire to learn, um, a passion regarding the art, and just some type of a, a consistency in in working towards their goals and working towards um, whatever journey they they want to be a part of. So we we look for a certain quality in the work, but but. When we bring in artists, first of all, the way that our group works is that the original 10 artists mentor in someone. We, it's mm. a private group. The artists must mentor in new members. Okay. And when they mentor in the new member, we do look through the artwork it's, and um, we want to see um, not necessarily a, a skill level, but I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's kind of a feel for the work. Right. And a feel that this can move in a certain direction. And then, you know, we speak to the artist and we do check like social media and all that. We want to see a character. We want to see a nature that um, wants to work with others, is a nurturing nature, is a positive nature, and has a good work ethic. Mm -hmm. So I think those are the most important things. And then the, the artists then learn from each other and collaborate with each other and train them up. So I work with emerging artists okay. and, and we bring in new people all the time who want to learn and then they, they, have, um, they have a group of people who they can learn certain skills from and that's how we grow. So sort of almost like a, a residency. Kind um, of. Yeah, right. where, where it's, it's more of one of those, those growth patterns. Like you said, right. you, you want folk that originally are there to grow enough to leave out but to mentor the next folk so they right. keep having this cyclical approach. How did you guys get the name? The palette table? No, 989. 989.9. Um, my husband and I, I see as a collaboration of, of skills, as a collaboration of goals. Um, 9.89 is the date when my husband and I chose to make this a permanent collaboration. Okay. So it's the date when we, um, when I was proposed to, when I said yes, when, you know, we decided to make this a lifelong partnership and we... I, I feel everything from then on has been a collaboration of us. Mm -hmm. So 989 is definitely um, a collaboration of, of our skills and our goals. Okay. So talk about, um, we, we, talk, we, we all live in Charlotte, um, and, and I brought up the, the art tax. Um, and so it didn't pass. The Arts and Science Council has recently started to lobby city council, um, county commission, since they didn't get the full amount, they're trying now to get some of the amount. Um, first off, and, and there's, no, of course, no right or wrong answer, were you, were you in favor or against the, the tax? From the bit I knew about it, and again, Arthur was much more involved in that mm -hmm. than I was, but from what I knew about it, I was in favor of it, but I, I think that, that the people who were not, because the, they were not sure where the money was going to go. So that was an issue, and of course, if it's not going where it's supposed to go, you know. But I, I, I did not follow it that far. So if you had twenty-five million dollars, where do you think the money? Oh should my go? gosh! Where do you think the money should funnel into in terms of our community, with, with, with as pertains just to arts? Right, art is so necessary. Art is so necessary. Um, spaces, spaces to make art available to, and my big thing is is really working with children. Um, working with children and, and also um, other people who need the outlet 
that art is, mm -hmm. who need the balance that art creates, but don't have access to it, um, particularly because they are in a space where um, they are in need. Um, so to make spaces where art is accessible to everyone, I believe everyone can benefit from art. So, so um, Arthur's not here, no. and, and he's an artist. Yes. Um, what is what is that like? The dynamic that you know, like you're more. It seems like you're more the business side, and he's more the artist side. The artists tend to tell. They keep telling me I'm an artist, and 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 I actually did study for a little bit in the military, and I've sold stuff, but that's what was not your my medium? passion. What was your medium? I only like black and white, charcoal and pencil. Hmm. I cannot work in color. Hmm. So okay. And again, it's it's not my passion. I tried oil once, and the what was on the paper looked nothing like what was in my head. And I'm not a patient person, so I knew that was not my lane. Um, God, what was <laughs> the question? You answered but, it. Okay. So, so do you, so we we have, we talked about Charlotte um, in its context. Right. Um, do you think Charlotte is an is an artsy city, or are we just a city that has art? No, we. There is so much. I get excited. Um, by the knowledge that I have of the type of talent that exists here. And I mean, I'm not from Charlotte. I've been all over the place in my family. There's art all over all of our homes. The level of talent, the creativity um, that exists here in Charlotte is, it's mind boggling to me, first of all, that the artists um, do not understand their value. Um, that the people who serve the art community don't seem to understand mm -hmm. what they have here. That's a sticking point for me. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that they undervalue themselves so much. No, this is definitely a space where art lives. Right. It definitely yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, think, I think most of us can agree that art is blooming, mm -hmm. it's burgeoning, particularly in Charlotte, particularly uptown, some of the outlying areas. But do we do we readily appreciate the folk who are doing it? I, 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 I hear that sometimes from, you know, where particularly as we get back to the funding piece. Right. That everyone wants a brand new mural on their new business, mm -hmm. but they don't want to pay for it. Um, or when we're talking about expanding our art services into schools for children, everybody, they applaud those kinds of ideas, but they don't want to put the money towards it. So it feels like we, we like art. Right. But we don't really love it. something that I bring to people all the time. You know, any skilled laborer, people expect to pay. Any person with any type of skill, people expect to pay. Mm -hmm. You have an electrician come to your home. You pay them before they even touch the stuff. That's right. People expect to pay. Um, but these artists with these incredible skills, a lot of them who went to school. That's right. You know, and, and are still paying for that. That's right. Why is it that people don't see that as a skill? I don't have it. Most people don't have it. No. So why is that a skill that people don't see as something you pay for? It's a skill. And it's a skill that some, it sometimes takes lifetimes to achieve. To achieve. You know, whereas people can go to, to school for a year or, or a trade school and you expect to pay them, but you will not pay this artist whose work will have more of an effect and more longevity than this skilled laborer who came into your house to fix this little thing that you, that you feel, oh yeah, you're gonna pay that. This artist adds so much to your life and you know you enjoy art, you wanna see it. Why is it you won't pay for something that adds so much more to your life, but you will pay for these things that you will never think about a second time? And, and I think that's part of the conundrum. 
that, that when we talk about art, again, I think most people's level of either appreciation um, or art education is lower than they, than they, they, they think. They think it's higher than what it is. Right, right. And it really is at a, a lower bar that um, the appreciation of it, that you can put a value Right. on something and I, and I think artists struggle with that you know because you know yes. and, and I purchase I purchase art and so there are times when I'm asking the artist well how much is that <laughs> and we go back to the business of art right and they're looking at you almost hoping you bail them out with right. a number right. <laughs> like you, well, you price is the you, worst topic for um, even as a photographer that's the hardest thing for me to put a value on something that is innately me it's right. something that I love to do and I know people value it but it's like you're almost asking them, well, what's it worth to you? You know, right. pay what it's worth to you. So my whole thing with the palace, sometimes these artists, um, and I just dealt with one. It's a sculpture that I have in, my, in, the, in the show now. And I texted and I said, how much for this? I have to have it. And she's like, well, for you, we'll do... I said, no, I'm asking you how much it is. How much it is. Not for me, this but... This is something that... And, right. I, and she's like, well, it's this... It's the last tag was this, but I'm going to, I said, no, don't tell me that. Stop undervaluing yourself because you're setting a standard. You're telling other people how to value you. You tell people you don't value yourself. So therefore, they're like, okay, either they think, oh, I can then get it for cheaper, or they never really understand your value. So I'm like, no, I want I want, I the, want price. the price that you said, right? Right, and whatever it is, if I really want it, I'll, I'll figure, figure out a way out. to get it. Because it goes back to your point, like you said, if, if my sink is clogged up, right, and they show up to fix it, I'm not. I have to pay it. Or I'm not negotiating with Rotor Rooter. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It is. It is what the price is, and I and I think. So so so, I think that goes back to our one of our original points. So do you think that they should learn business acumen when it comes? I know you, you you're ambivalent to that, but. You know, when we hear that, that's, I think that's what makes me cringe, that, that an artist is, is literally almost having anxiety about telling me mm-hmm. how much this is because, one, they knew how much it cost to buy the material, right. the paint, the fat, whatever it was to make it. They knew that. I know that. how much these things cost. I watched right. my husband. Well, there you go. So you, so you, you know there's a price for that. Right. Right. You, would, you at least want to make that back. And then I think then you're also factoring time. in the time. Their right. skill. That's right. So their you, unique passion for what they're right. doing. If you know, you, if you know, um, you know, somebody, you know, a lawyer's getting two fifty an hour. Right. You're not paying the two fifty an hour, you know, for the work. You're paying for the for the skill set. And I've worked for some lawyers. Can I tell you? I mean, I did a heck of a lot of their work, and I wasn't right. getting my money. <laughs> so. And and, yeah. and and that's why that's why I think for artists it's cringeworthy right. that that they that they again I think they expect the patron to bail them out, like you said. Well, you, t- you tell me how, you know, for you, or you tell me. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. It's, that's you, that's you one of my goals is to, again, um, have them understand their value and have them be bold enough and be brave enough to demand their value. You know, because that teaches then other people. Because sometimes when people, people will look at artwork that cost thousands of dollars to make, and they'll want to pay you $50, oh, yeah. $75. Oh, yeah. But you cannot really, really blame that person because they don't have any knowledge they of what know. you spent that they on. They don't know. So we have to educate the public as well as the artist. We have to kind of bring them both up to speed on what's going on. As far as the artist understanding business, yeah. And the palette table, 
the palette table is kind of a, it's a mentoring group. It's a group where we bring in training. It's a group where we bring in collectors, where we bring in other other types of art to teach them how they can work together. So yeah, the, the skills are necessary, mm -hmm. um, but we have to get there. So where we're at now, um, you know, I, I, I don't think the artist ever needs to understand all of the business of art. But yeah, I do feel that they should understand a level of it, at least to the point where they understand that they deserve um, to make a living wage off of their skill, just like anybody else, to at so, least get to that point. So is that something um, that galleries should be vested in? Yes. Making sure, because I know, because yes. I, I tell people all the time, you know, like everything else, you know, the businesses of each kind of rely on each other. So, yes. you know, a gallery exists for the operation of selling art. And the artist is creating art for the gallery to sell. So there's an ecosystem in there. So so sometimes I think people... Well, let's talk about gallery spaces first. Yes. Um, and there, sometimes I think people think there's an intimidation factor. They go mm -hmm. into these galleries, it's highbrow, it's stuffy. Yeah. I don't know what I'm looking at. Right. And then if there are prices on the wall next to the painting or the piece or whatever it is, and you're talking about $5,000, $8,000, mm -hmm. you know... How do how do we make it more palatable? I think for folk who are who are newer, <laughs> you know, to walking into gallery spaces. I, I do like that you said palatable because yeah. that was also it's part palatable. of the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a reason for the name. Um, again, um, our gallery space is intentionally um, we serve the artists. We serve the artists with the intention of making it easier for them to to make their work more palatable to the public. Mm -hmm. And also to to um, you know have them have the public um, feel more comfortable about buying art. So we have so many artists with so much work, decades of work that are just stored there. And what people don't understand is a lot of the artists they do take payment plans. I try to tell people that they take payment plans because it's better than having the stuff sitting. But in some there. galleries won't though. Yeah, but so, our gallery, right? Again, we we are a different type of gallery. Okay, so yeah, speak on that because some we, galleries won't. I, I right. know they they want their money. Right I now. think that the differences with what we're doing is first of all, we give the artists a space to create and work. We don't charge them for it up front. What we do um, is we charge them a percentage of what they make. That way, the artist never comes in behind. Mm -hmm. Because if you're trying to grow an artist, if you're working with emerging artists, most of these people cannot rent these spaces. No. So thankfully, um, we're in a position where we can get this space and offer it to the artist in order for them to get a foot in, to dig in a bit, and to grow. And with their growth, we grow. So I, I'm not the traditional gallery in that I'm not in it just to, to make money off of art. I am literally in it to find a way um, to give these artists a platform for growth and to make the art more palatable to the public, to make them comfortable buying and to make um, space for those people who need to be seen but cannot afford the space. So we're there for that, and that's the way that we choose to serve the public. You know, we, we're not going to, again, what, we, we are serving the artists. So if we're not making, if we're not helping them to get their foot in and to make an income, we're not doing our job, so why should they pay us? Right. We're not going to pay us to put stuff on our walls. We're not going to take 50, 65% of your earnings, because that's crazy to me, mm. that galleries um, take a percentage yeah. that is more than the artist makes. Right. How? So, no. <laughs> I don't believe in that. Um, 
I have a large respect for the people that I serve. Um, and in turn, I have found that they, um, they believe in me and they, they allow me to work with them and they allow me to be in control of their work, which is a privilege. So I see it as that. I don't see them as ways for me to make a buck. Right. I see I have this space. I can do this. This is meaningful work. Art is necessary. Let's work together to grow and get this out to the public in a way that's feasible for both sides. So that gets into, I think, um, engagement. Right. And, and we talk a lot about art engagement and what is successful engagement. So what does that look like for you? What, what would that mean for you? Um, as, as people come into your, your spaces, whether that's the palette table, that's the studio gallery, that's seeing you out and about, how do you know it's working? I, one of my biggest goals, first of all, I'm, right off the bat, I want to personalize the artist and the art. I want to create a relationship um, because relationships connect people. So I want to create a space where relationships can be formed. So wherever I have the art, I also have the artist. You know, so there's access to the artist. The artist has access to the patron. The patron has access to the artist. So there's that relationship, that connection that's building. Mm -hmm. right? And that to me is more lasting than people going into a, a cold space just staring at walls because that connection is not built. Right. You know? And that connection forms whether you're a collector or just a lover of art. You know, some people um, collect um, for, for, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, right, to, to kind of invest as for an value, investment. For value, appreciation, investment. And some investment. people buy artwork just because they want to be so Intrinsic value. They saw right. it. They loved it. Right. And, and I want to make a space that is comfortable for both. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, one of the things that's really important to me is working with children, working with um, young girls, um, and showing the relationship um, that should be, that is, and that should be understood between the arts and people that are struggling. Um, because the art to me, when they took, when I was growing up, there was arts in the school. Yes. There was arts in the school. It was something I took for granted. It was an outlet for me. Um, it balanced my life. I didn't have an easy life, but art was something that where I could pour out my emotions, where I can create, I can feel free. There were no restrictions, right? Mm -hmm. So you take that out of schools, you take that um, from being accessible to, to people, and you see all the anxiety that's growing. You see that they don't have, they don't have an outlet. There's all these computers, everything is restrictions, everything is, and, and you see the, the, again, the anxiety level that's growing in people. Mm -hmm. You see the, the damage that that causes. Yeah. Art creates balance it creates room it's an outlet yep. um for me i want to work with organizations i want to work hand in hand with the artists and the organizations to show the relationship and grow the relationship and as the artist um as the artist works with these organizations it's also feeding the arts too because part of the ecosystem right oh, yep. so that is i would say that's the end game for me is to show that relationship and nurture that relationship and and have people understand the necessity of why we, why right. we need it. Right. Right. So how do we how do we for folk who um you know again, you know, we're all about making sure people learn. They learn to appreciate. How do we get folk to appreciate art and and, and some of the stuff at community events? Um, 
if we're on the streets, if people never make it to your side of town, if they never come by the studio, how, how are we getting folk to a place of appreciation? Um, you don't just stay stagnant in one spot. That's never going to work because, you know, that's travel and, and travel um, costs. And so you have to bring the, you have to find ways to bring the arts to these organizations. And that's, that's something that I have, um, this, this is all pretty new to me. This, this is all pretty Doesn't new. Doesn't sound to me. like it though. But, <laughs> but it's a passion. It's a passion and I'm a stubborn girl. <laughs> and I see a need, I see a necessity, and I am so happy that somehow I fit into that. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's about, you have to take the art to the spaces where it's needed. Mm-hmm. And you have to make it accessible. You have to make people want to be there. So you have to make it fun. You have to make it relatable. You know, so there's all types of different creative ways to do all of those things. Um, I've reached out to school. I've reached out to other organizations. We were in Boom um, a year ago. We're going to be in Boom again this year. Okay. And just being out there and engaging with people, um, being um, open, being open to all types of different situations, and just coming there really with a clear, a clear, um, just a desire, just just a, a pure desire to just to just share. Yeah. Right. So. Um, I'm trying to find all the spaces uh, where the artists can go into and we can go into and just share. And a lot of that to me, we're looking at, again, schools and we're looking at, at working with um, different organizations that, that we can reach and that would enjoy our services where we can start and actually make a difference and going to them. Yeah. Because you can't always, people won't even always see, um, even if you're marketing, people don't always have access to um, the places that you're marketing. So it, it really takes the intent and the desire and the passion to go out there and share, you know, and build. And and you talk about you, I mean, that key word in there was access. Um, right. There there are there are a lot of people, and you know, and I and I've I've you know whether I've been on you know committees, boards inside some of those spaces, I let people know you know if access is hindering people, um, you have to find a way. Yes. To eliminate eliminate that barrier, so folk can get involved, and at the level in which they're comfortable to yeah. get involved, right. and, and 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 we think about you know those barriers of access. Sometimes those that's cost price. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are what are some of the ways we can well not so much eliminate some of those costs, but how can we involve folk who can't particularly afford to pay for a lot of some of these high dollar um, activities. Um, there are, and, and I'm going to tell you, when, when I did the, the whole palette table, the 989, the, the gallery, all of this so far has purely come out of, of mine and my husband's passion and our pockets. We've never taken anything you from anyone. You are a saint. Mm, oh, but <laughs> in order to grow past this level now, um, we do need um, people who can and who have to, to assist us so that we can grow, um, so that we can afford to to give the free services or the, the services that are um, at a lower rate to the people who can't afford. Right. We, I mean, we, we have to, like, it's, it's like, to me, it's the humane thing to do. You know, if you have, and you have more than you need, you should give, you know. And here I am, it's like, I, I, we're not rich. We're not rich. But to me... It's something to me that is so necessary that it is worth clearing out my bank account. It's something that's so necessary 
for humanity and for the balance of humanity that I will put that in there. And um, we kind of calling on the people that are able to, that are able to, to reach out and, and serve their fellow human beings and give them access to something that is really to the benefit of all of us in the end, mm-hmm. right? So the people who can't afford, those who can do, do. So when we can, yeah, we go out there and we'll do stuff for free whenever we can because it's the right thing to do. That's big. Um, and, and, I, and I think more people need to recognize that and particularly from the bigger institutions who actually have, mm-hmm. you know, caches of money, um, a lot of the social capital. But what I've seen is that it has been falling, you know, right. to more of the grassroots, right, right. smaller, because I think, you know, more of the heart, the passion is in it. And you're not running these decisions, you know, through tons of red tape. Right. A board of directors right. of 25 people. You know, it's, it's you and your husband saying this is the right thing to do right. and we're going to do it. And it, we don't need to have a, an, an hour long meeting to figure that out. But to, to, to speak on there, there are people that are now um, getting an idea of the things I'm trying to do mm-hmm. and are completely reaching out to help good, me grow. Good. And there are they people should. who have nurtured me even with information along the way because it's never something I studied. It's something that all of a sudden it kind of came to me that this felt exactly like where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. And it just organically grew and I understood that this was my passion and this is my purpose. So for me, it's, it's like a, it's a gift to be given this to do because it fulfills me, right? right? So now there are people that have come into my life from the beginning who looked at me and listened to me and said, I believe in what you're doing. I'm going to help you. Even information is powerful. Information is valuable. So I've been taking all of that. And now people are saying, wow, what you're doing is incredible. Let's go to this next step and let me help you to get the funding. So we're right on that edge there. So it's definitely something that, and I'm not a person who asks for anything. I'm not a person who asks for anything, but but I'm at the point where I realize that there are other people um, who I'm serving that are that need for me to be able to be in that space. So though it's somewhere that's not comfortable for me, I understand the necessity. So yes, I I am now going to be reaching out and learning how to write a grant, that's how right. to do a yeah. I I have to learn all of these. So if you had so if you had a call to action, what do you need? Where where you guys are now? What is one or two things that you guys need? Um, I love where we are now, but it's a house. It's in a neighborhood. Um, it's a beautiful space. However, there are limitations um, to what you can do in a neighborhood. So we need a public facility for these artists. As far as what we're ready to do there, we have curriculums ready. We have artists ready to teach. We have, I have a list of people asking me to do events for them. We are ready to go. We are pretty much have been looking for the last couple of years for a location, mm-hmm. just a public space that would allow us to, to continue to do what we do and to grow. Because, again, this, this is a home. It's a right. nice home, but the, there are limitations, and we will work with that until we grow into somewhere bigger. But that is the, the end game for us is to get a larger public facility where we can continue to grow and pull in and do more for the artists and, and the people, the community. Very nice. 
Um, real quick, just cruising on your social media and your Facebook page. I saw you and Arthur did a photo shoot oh, yeah. with uh, with Josh. My baby. Uh, yeah, jo- Josh is that dude. <laughs> Josh, man. I loved him on site. I told him when I met him, we're gonna work together. So what was the what what was the shoot for? What was it just for personal reasons or branding? We were, we were told that to get ready to be doing some um, some interviews, some articles, and to have some photos in the gallery ready. Mm-hmm. So we did that. Okay. Um, yeah. And Josh did a fantastic job. He sure did. He's he's an incredible young man, definitely. Speaking of young men, um, what? Well, young is the operative term here. We always ask folks, what would you (laughs) tell your sixteen-year-old self? Oh my gosh! Um, Stop waiting for permission to be yourself. Mm. Really, Um, don't allow other people to tell you who you are or who you should be. Yeah, Um, listen, learn to. It's it's about belief and in yourself that allows you to grow in your own purpose as opposed to, to having someone else tell you what your purpose should be because mm. that's never your true self. So my 16-year-old self, I would tell, my little bracelet says, be brave. Okay. Be brave. Um, yeah, be brave. Go out there and do what feels right to you. Yeah. What, what do you guys got on deck? What's coming up that people can support? Oh, my goodness. Come by the gallery. It's by appointment only, so you have to go to 9189studiogallery at gmail.com and, and book a tour, book an appointment. Um, on the Facebook page, 9189studiogallery, um, we will be updating that as to upcoming events. We do have solo shows um, through August at this point that we will be um, putting up there. Um, what other event? If you are an artist that needs representation or that's looking for any type of support, reach out to the Palette Table um, online, the Palette Table on Facebook, and request um, membership. And we will definitely, we're very good at getting right back to you. Okay. Um, we are eager to support um, anyone who needs our support. So, yeah. And make sure you give them your social media too. People can get in contact with you. How? The joanne rogers i'm on instagram the joanne rogers um uh yeah on instagram on facebook it's just joanne rogers um uh, my husband um is arthur rogers jr r-o-i-a-r-t-h-u-r-r-o-g-e-r-s jr he is an amazing artist art advocate branding professional mm-hmm. um his resume is incredible and his um talent is incredible you better hype your hubby up oh look I'm number up. one look but um reach out to him he's also just genuinely um a good dude a good person he's a good dude who wants to support his fellow artists so we're just we're just looking to to grow this thing and to give you guys what you deserve so reach out well, we appreciate you coming by, um, being our first guest for season three, um, you know, popping the cork on this season, but a lot of great information. You all make sure you support Joanne and her husband, Arthur. Um, you know, if you, if you ever meet Joanne in person, she's a dynamo. I tell you, you know, a little short in stature, but big, unless I'm wearing the heels, big, big in love and ideas, um, and everything that needs to happen. I think, you know, as we, as we move into 2020, um, you know, your name and your face is going to keep popping up. And I think people get very familiar with the Palette Table, with 918.9 918, 918, 918, Studio Gallery. 
um, and everything that you all are doing, particularly um, as a husband and wife duo. Yes. So keep up the great work. Anything Crafty with Cradle can do for you, um, please reach out. Um, and so remember, people, you can always check us out every month. Brand new episodes of Crafty with Cradle drop. Um, the first Friday of each month on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Remember, Sweet929.tv for the full playback, audio and visual. And remember, you know, we are here to service this community. We want to make sure we continue to shine a bright light on the art and cultural sector here in Charlotte. And we will continue to do that through this podcast. Um, so make sure you support, make sure you follow, make sure you share. And make sure you let someone else know how they can support our full art community. So, as your host, Dr. Keith Cradle, I am signing out. And before we go, make sure you give Joanne Rogers a warm Crafted with Cradle outro, as we always like to clink those glasses and say cheers. Make sure to check out Crafted with Cradle on all streaming podcast platforms and on Suite929.tv and make sure that you're following us on Instagram at Crafted with Crazy.